everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. Today, we're going to be talking about power, praise, prayer, favor, and faith. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Him. Scripture teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that is why we say amen when we give glory to God through Jesus Christ. He is the divine yes. Jesus was completely faithful in his ministry. He never sinned. He faithfully died for you and for me. And now he faithfully intercedes for us to the Father. We can trust and go where Jesus leads. He will supply us with courage, confidence, and the right resources. Moses witnessed the Lord's power firsthand. He had a shepherd's staff that had a curved hook at the top of the handle, and these stabs were used for walking, guiding sheep, killing snakes, among many other uses. The Lord told Moses to throw it down, and it became a snake. Moses was terrified, so he turned and he ran away. Then the Lord told him, take hold of its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it became a shepherd's staff again. The Lord then told Moses to perform this sign so that the people would believe that God had appeared to him. I'm sure Moses never imagined the power of his shepherd's staff when wielded for God's purposes. Moses learned an important lesson that day. God takes the simple, mundane, ordinary things in our lives to teach us. God takes joy in utilizing the ordinary for extraordinary results. Take an inventory of your life now. What are the ordinary things God may use? Your pen, your voice, your toolkit, maybe a musical instrument, or perhaps You're a social media non-influencer, but you still love to post anyway. Whatever it may be, we all have things or gifts as they are known in the Bible in which we can allow God to utilize for his purposes. As Christians, we like to think rationally. We weigh the evidence and make wise choices. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, to remember few of us were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or even wealthy when God called us. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. Now, this isn't slamming non-believers. Really, it's quite the opposite. In this scripture verse preceding this one, we learn about this foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is far stronger than the greatest of human strength. This is pertaining to God's redemptive plan for mankind, which is the Bible's entire theme. It's the message of Jesus' death for our sins, which sounds foolish to those who don't believe it. They see death as the end. No get-out-of-jail-free card here. The ultimate weakness for mankind. But the gospel enlightens us with the good news. Jesus doesn't stay dead. He's resurrected. He defeated death. He gave those who would believe in him eternal life. Because of the simplicity of this message, many refuse to believe it. They're looking for something more complex. Instead, people reason, well, if I'm good, kind, loving person and follow the law, that should be enough to get me into heaven, right? 
reason upon reason upon reason they give. But really, don't hate the messenger here. The truth is, the Bible says that's not enough. Eternal life hinges on you believing Jesus died for your sin. God says his kingdom is the upside-down kingdom in comparison to the ways of the world. Ultimately, the foolish people who do believe in Jesus are really the wisest ones of all. We will spend eternity in heaven or somewhere else. The beautiful thing is we're given a free will choice with the best answer provided to us. You might be thinking this all sounds good, Pam, but I'm needing help now. I'm struggling to keep my head above water now. How do I navigate these waters of life on my own? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got good news for you. Like King Asa, God will help us in our struggles and our battles too. Alone, we know we cannot possibly win. But as children of the Most High God, we are not alone. We have God's help. He turns his ear towards us and leans down to hear our prayers. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and three times he asked God to take it away. He had been given revelations from God about heaven. He says he was given a thorn in my flesh as a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from getting proud. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 gives God's answer to Paul. God says, My gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. We don't know what the thorn in Paul's flesh really was. It might have been an enemy as opposed to a literal thorn in the flesh. Nonetheless, God did not remove his affliction. But God would work his power through Paul, and he'll do this for you and me also. For when we're weak, then we're strong. This is when, in our weakness, God shows up powerfully, working through us. We are told to be strong, courageous, and not to fear. When we rely on God, we can do all these things. By admitting our limitations, we open the door wider to invite Jesus to take up residency on the throne of our hearts. When we do this, we are enacting a form of spiritual worship to our Creator. So what happened to Paul and Silas when a demon-possessed slave girl followed along behind them, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. As they were on the way to a place of prayer. Now keep in mind, she was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. What the girl was shouting day after day was true. But Paul became so exasperated that he turned and spoke to the demon within her. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. This left the girl's masters with shattered dreams of wealth. The source source was now gone. So in retaliation, these men grabbed up Paul and Silas, having them arrested by the local authorities. They claimed that Paul and Silas were teaching people to do things against Roman customs. The two were beaten with wooden rods and thrown into prison. Paul was forced to rebuke the demon even though it spoke truth. Truth and evil cannot coexist. 
Paul knew he couldn't allow the appearance of linking together with the slave girl upon his approach into town. This would damage the gospel message. So despite being jailed in the lower dungeon, Paul and Silas sang out in loud praises to God for hours. We can be Jesus's example to others, no matter how dire our situation looks. The other prisoners listened, and a few may have joined in singing. Who really knows? This wouldn't be Paul's first visit to prison because of his faith. He later would be chained to Roman guards 24-7. It was said he had countless opportunities to preach the word of Christ. Getting back to Paul and Silas, the prison doors swung open after an earthquake, and every prisoner's chain fell off. The jailer awoke seeing the prison doors wide open. He assumed they all had escaped and was ready to kill himself with a drawn sword. When Paul said, wait, we're all here. The jailer then asked, what must I do to become saved? This is one way God shows out his power when singing hymns and praying to him. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, scripture tells us for where two or three gather together because they are mine, I am there among them. This is why Paul and Silas had such tremendous results. They were praying in the power together of the Holy Spirit, which was in the will of God. This made for powerful prayer. Thousands may gather together and pray, but it'll yield no results if the Holy Spirit is left out. 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 20 tells us that David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord has done it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So David named the place Baal Perazim, which means literally again, the Lord burst through. David fought his battles the way God instructed him. In each instance, he asked if he should fight or not. He followed instructions carefully and gave God the glory. We can err in our battles by ignoring these steps and instead do what we want without considering God's will. Do things our way and ignore advice from the Bible or from other wise people or counselors. And finally, take glory ourselves or give it to someone else without acknowledging the help we received from God. All of these responses are sinful. And David was said to have a heart after God, yet we know David's life didn't exactly follow the Ten Commandments. So how did he overcome sin? He was truly sorry for what he had done and the resulting grief it cost others. He sought God's forgiveness in Psalm 51. It's David's plea for mercy, forgiveness, and cleansing. And God wants our hearts to be right with him too. So God shows mercy to David and he shows mercy to us as well. No sin is too great to be forgiven. David said he had sinned against God only, but the world says differently. However, in the book of John, God says all judgment has been given to the Son. When sin happens, God's offended because it violates his way of living. He put into place for our highest calling. And David knew that true power didn't come from his vast armies or weapons. Since the beginning of time, nations have all boasted about their power. Many empires and nations have risen only to be turned to rubble and dust. David knew God alone could preserve a nation or an individual like himself through prayer, praise, and worship. 
God is and always will be the firepower. So let me ask you now, do you trust God to fight your battles? Exodus chapter 14 verse 14 tells us the Lord will fight for you and you shall keep your peace. One such way we can show God that we trust him is by offering up praises. Psalm chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 state, I will thank you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you've done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Praise is how we express to God our utmost appreciation. It's how we say thank you to God for each aspect of his divine nature. We express our inward attitude outwardly. We become more aware of who God is as we expand our awareness of his attributes and characteristics. An example of this is when we stop and we offer praise, we say, Father, thank you that you can do the impossible. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for the right people in my life. Thank you, Father, for making me your child. And Father, thank you. I am anointed. I'm empowered. I'm equipped. And thank you for clearing and directing my path. Friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. Let me be the first one to congratulate you on this most important decision. And as you go out into the world, remember the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Until next time.